You are listening to Jewish Tech Meetup, a Jcast Network podcast. This podcast is part one of the Jewish Tech Meetup that took place on Thursday, September 22nd. The speaker that evening was Ronen Eidelman, Israeli artist, writer, activist, and cultural producer. During this first part of the meetup, Ronen shared information about a number of his projects. The New York City Jewish Tech Meetup is made possible with the help of Makom Chadash, Repair the World, and Open Source Judaism. The next Jewish Tech Meetup will take place at Makom Chadash on Thursday, October 27th, and at the event we will welcome Lael Leibovitz, who focuses primarily on video game and interactive media research and theory. Dr. Leibovitz has authored several books of nonfiction, including most recently, The Chosen People's America, Israel, and the Ordeals of Divine Election. He is also a contributor to the Los Angeles Times, the Atlantic Monthly, Descent, and Tablet. For more information about this event, please visit meetup.org slash jtech-nyc. Welcome to the Jewish Tech Meetup. Our guest speaker tonight is Ronin Edelman. Uh, Ronin is an artist and activist from Tel Aviv. Uh, who got his degree in public art from the Bauhaus in Weimar, Germany. Uh, he is um, uh, one of the most interesting artists and activists I have ever known. His uh, work deals uh, thematically with um, issues of Jewishness, Israeliness, of um, loss and destruction, of remembrance, um, and challenges the dominant paradigm in Jewish thinking, in... Zionist thought and really uh, pushes us to kind of reevaluate um, our own relationship to our identity um, and to the Jewish state. Um, he um, is most known for his uh, current project, Midinat Weimar, uh, the state of Weimar, which is a project to create a Jewish state in East Germany, um, much in the spirit of, uh, of the early Zionist pioneers. Um, but I'll let him tell you about it. Um, he's visiting here for the week, and I'm very glad that he was able to join us. Uh, he's going to talk to us tonight about his project, Midnight Weimar, as well as uh, a project called Nine Days in Av, uh, where he and his friend uh, filled an RV with um, streaming equipment and traveled around Israel and the West Bank uh, interviewing people and live casting it all, all, the entire trip over the internet. Um, and we'll also talk a little bit about the recent tent protests in Israel uh, and uh, what role technology has played in helping to organize uh, the, the community there. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, or I just should just say all gentlemen tonight, uh, Ronan. Hi, and thank you all for coming. This is really weird with the mic. But, um, yeah, I mean, um, I have a lot of things I could show. Um, some are more technical, some are very low-tech. Um, this is also something I like to play with. I mean, to really make things out of out of cardboard even, you know, like low-tech. But um, And so, it, it, you like, be, feel free to show, like, if you want me to, like, go in deeper into some certain projects or other ones. And then there's the whole, um, I was quite involved in the test protest in... Um, in Tel Aviv and in all of Israel, and we could also look at that, um, which is not exact. Um, um, so, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of like leaving it open what what we could look at. 
But I guess we'll start with uh, Medinat Weimar, which is a project that's been going on for around three years. I started it in Germany when I was living in Weimar. Um, it's, uh, I established a political movement as a work of art, um, which um, we could ask what that means. Um, it was basically also what my thesis was, um, because there's kind of like a history in art of um, art projects that become political movements or political movements that become artwork. And, um, and I think it's always asked, um, I even gave an interview to Channel 10 like two days ago in Israel. Um, from here, and they were very aggressive, like, but is this real? And I was like, yes, art is real. You know, like, <laughs> it's very real, but the fact that it's an art project doesn't make it less real, you know, so, um, but I think just to get a feeling of what this is, um, this is the website, but there's a promotion, a uh, promo video that was that I made for the, for the movement, and you could get um, a feeling of it. Um, we'll have to see what we're doing here with the volume. Okay, so we'll wait with that. Well, the, the motivation came from living in, um, in, in Germany um, uh, and in Weimar, which is a small town in Germany. I think I experienced for the first time what it, what, what it really feels like to be a minority and what it is. You know, these stories, you know, maybe some of you hear from your grandparents like, oh, you don't know what it is to be, you know, because I grew up or in New York or in Israel and I was always, you know, never felt different or strange or, you know, like I have to hide my Jewish identity in any way or anything like that. And then in, in Germany, um, yes, um, I, I, don't, I wouldn't say I was scared or anything like that, but I definitely didn't belong. And, um, and it really raised these questions of like, what does nationalism mean and what is like, and I was asking like, if I would want to live here, how would I want to live here? So I would say, okay, first, I remember I was even talking to Dan one day on Skype. I was in the beginning, I was like, I don't think I could live in a town that doesn't even have a minion. And I didn't even believe, like, you know, it's like, and then it's like, okay, what else? Yeah, it's like, you don't need, it's like, you don't need to go to the Minion, you just need to, to know that it's there. You know, you, you have to know that, I, that there's a synagogue that I don't go to, you know, the, the famous joke. But, you know, um, and it, but it's true, but it's even deeper than that. It's like, you know, you know, then the, the holidays come and this, and then you're starting to ask what, what, um, um, what, uh, what, what, what would you need if you, you know, to feel comfortable, to feel at home? So one of the things I think, um, uh, one of the things that started the project is, um, I was like, you know, you need to feel secure. And um, there were quite a few attacks when I was living there on foreigners, um, some Indian people and some other things from, um, from neo-Nazi groups. So I was saying, okay, one of the things to feel secure, you need um, security, right? So, but I don't really trust the German police for both historical reasons, but not only, also for contemporary reasons. So I decided to bring the Israeli border police to, um, to um, so I built myself a Jeep and it kind of escorted me around town. Um, yeah, um, here's another one. You could see this one is in front of the... Um, Right. So the here you could right. So you could see. I mean, sorry, here you could see how appear a bit how it looks. This is in front of the Van de Velde, the famous Bauhaus building, where the architecture school is. Um, so you understand. So it's like yeah. So it's like yeah. Um, and of course, this is asked as questions. You know, it's um, of what does security really mean? Is security just a facade? 
You just need the feeling of security, like the security. Like, and I think a lot of this, you know, all these cameras you see, it's, it's not really a, you know, it, it, it's this, like emotional need to have, but it doesn't mean, that it, cardboard does the job. You know, it doesn't have to be. Um, and then, of course, my whole relationship itself, uh, uh, itself with people like the border police in Israel, which I don't see that they really protect me. I kind of see them sometimes even as a threat. You know, when I see the border police in Israel, I cross to the other side of the street. Um, but suddenly I'm in Germany, I, it's like this feeling, oh, I want them. I want them there. And from that, I started, ask, I started asking these questions. Okay, what, what you know, uh, and I kind of realized, yeah, that'd be nice to have a Jewish state in, in Germany. Why not? You know, um, the majority of the Jews from the world, their origin is from, um, um, from, from Europe. And if they, you know, we have... We should have the right of return, and but another element to it is that um, the um, it's not a punishment for the Germans; it's a, it's a prize because um, these areas of Eastern Germany are losing their population. All the young and motivated people are leaving; they're emptying out. So it's like they need fresh blood. So it's like, you know, who who better than us? You know, who um, so. Well, there was that also. I mean, at the time, also Ahmadinejad gave one of these speeches of his, which you know we know are um, are a mix of demag de demagogia, how do you say, um, dem dem demagogy and um, and yeah, anti-Semitism and everything. But he sometimes, you know, points <laughs> some interesting points, and he said, um, you know, if the the world is so concerned about the Jews, and if the Americans and Europeans, you know, want to feel bad, you know, why don't they just give them part of Austria and Germany and they could build their state there with their army there and do whatever they want. And and an interesting out of all like his speeches that this one I was in Germany, they like the German press totally freaked out from that speech. You know, it's like he's an anti Semite like now they were like going crazy. And I was like, oh and, and me and my like Israeli friends and Jewish friends were like, wow, you know that yeah, why not? We're and we started thinking, oh Bavaria be nice, but you know, but this and then we we're like so we got into the, like this whole discussion. And I really saw the difference about how like, you know, the good Germans, you know, like German lefties, good good people were like reacting to this then and, and you know, and they couldn't really see almost the, you know, there, there's something in, um, you know, I wouldn't say truth, but there's some like kind of element that is interesting to explore. So I decided to to explore this. Um, so yeah, so I created the movement and. Um, Weimar wishes to establish a Jewish state in Thuringia, Germany, with the city of Weimar as its capital. Jewish state in Thuringia is, is, is not an easy thought to think for many people. 
but I think uh, that it would cause people on a daily basis uh, to overthink the love-hate relationship with the Jews. Um, besides that, I think that the, uh, the return of the Jews to uh, East Germany would uh, definitely improve the cultural and the economic landscape there. Von ganzem Herzen bin ich für eine Made in Weimar. Ein Land ohne Schuldgefühle, ohne Trauma, mit freier Einwanderung und schließlich, und das ist sehr wichtig, ohne finanzielle Ansprüche an mich. Die Idee einer Medinat Weimar ist electrifying und die Funken sprühen bis nach Cincinnati, Ohio in Amerika. Ich unterstütze Medinat Weimar, weil ich davon überzeugt bin, dass dieser jüdische Staat in Thüringen eine entscheidende Rolle im Kampf gegen Antisemitismus und gegen Philosemitismus spielen wird. Ich habe sogar Vorfahren in Thüringen, aber ich glaube nicht an Blut- und Bodentheorien. Ich fühle mich zu Hause in Berlin, Moskau oder Tel Aviv. Und wenn Israelis und Araber sich in Thüringen niederlassen, könnte ich mich dort endlich auch zu Hause fühlen. I support Medinat Weimar, because I believe Jews need a pluralistic and humanistic alternative to the state of Israel, one which is based on Jewish ideas instead of Jewish blood. A state of art and feminism. What more can you ask of a state? I support Medinat Weimar because it would be the first state instituted by Jews recognizing my right as a Palestinian to have full citizenship because of the common history we had in the 20th century. I'm expressing my solidarity with Medinat Weimar, the movement to found a Jewish state in Thuringia, because the Jewish state should be one in which a Jew is free to be whoever it is that they are, and not simply who their government or rabbis tell them they should be. Medinat Weimar will utilize the autonomy of art in its institution, as well as use the tools of political campaigning and activism to convince the citizens of Germany, the European Union, the world Jewish communities, and the international community to support the founding of the state. Medinat Weimar is the solution to solve the present crisis and to heal Jewish trauma, German guilt, East Mediterranean conflicts, East German troubles, and many other problems of the world. We extend our hand to all the people of Thuringia and offer a peace and good neighborliness and appeal to them to establish bonds of cooperation and mutual help with our movement and to the future sovereign Jewish people settled on the land. Medinat Weimar is prepared to do its share in the common effort for the advancement of the entire region. being shown in an office space in the Jewish Museum in Berlin. And so it's, it has the, the film, but also like the whole office with the um, 13 principles of the movement in German, English, Russian, Hebrew, and Arabic, uh, and all different other materials, stickers, pins, uh, flyers, and propaganda stuff. And people could come and sign up and become members of the movement, because basically this movement is really, I mean, it's for a Jewish state, but the movement is for Germans, because we have to convince the German people in order to accept this idea that it will also be good for them, and then they'll invite and give Thuringia to, 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 to the Jews, and whoever, whatever that means also. This is also defined, how do you define Jew? And one of the things we write in our um, movement principles that it's not defined through blood and ancestry, but through, um, um, like 
self-determination, um, culture, freedom of choice. And, you know, basically, if somebody wants to become Jewish or be part of this project, like um, uh, Ruth said, you know, who chose said, if, you know, just by declaring, I am with you. Um, what is it? Um, yeah, your God will be my God, your people will be my people, then just by that declaration, she already becomes part. Does, it doesn't mean that they'll become Jewish, but they'll become part of this Jewish state. Um, so, and that, then therefore, of course, the Palestinians are invited as well, if they're interested, you know. Um, another claim that we make is, it, it's clearly we're not talking about instead of a, the existing Jewish state, we're talking about a second one. And one of the things is like when you have a you know an only child, they're usually very spoiled, and all the responsibility is on their shoulders. And then, you know, the parents have a second child, and it makes everything better for all. So uh, I think it's good to have a second child when it also comes to Jewish states. Um, some people claim it's a third child because there's already one here in New York. I'm moving now to a, a, a different project. This is called um, Nine Days in Av. Um, I'm assuming that everybody here knows has some background in yeah dude so but if but yeah the other thing if you have questions don't be embarrassed to ask so um the nine days um from rosh chodesh to um shabav uh, traditionally are the nine days of um that we um are in some kind of mourning for the destruction of the temple and um, um don't eat meat and don't have celebrations and um don't swim, many people, and there's a lot of also superstitions around it, like also people don't go to the, the beach because a lot of people supposedly drown in those nine days. And yeah. and, um, and it's a time when a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, you know, I would say, um, feeling in the air of, you know, something happening because a lot of tragedies happen in, in these days. And... Um, um, we decided to go on a, a journey for these nine days around this, what we call the historical um, Eretz Israel, which is today um, Israel and the West Bank. Um, also, m making a political choice to to um, ignore the the current um, borders, and just um, and um, in Hebrew, the destruction of the temple is Choban Abayit. And this is home, by this home. So we took a mobile home, and we went out to ask people about um, what does home mean for them, and what is this, like, or do they fear a destruction of home? And we also met over the journey people who are lo losing their homes for all different reasons and um, from all different um, um, spheres of society. So first of all, we left from my home in um, in Jaffa, Tel, Tel Aviv, and we started like from homes that we, like, this is a cafe that I like sitting in, and then, um, and we just meet, you know, first people we met, and then slowly we're, um, and well, this was in a, a museum in Batyam that had an exhibition called Island, and that was also very symbolic because some people see Israel kind of like an island, you know, but there's also this, um, I think, a lot of um, um, romanticism about the island, you know, like the treasure island and all that, so we went there and had a discussion, and, um, and we started from the neighborhoods. Um, here, this is like a poor neighborhood where a lot of people don't have homes or live in public housing. Um, we went then to like Ramlev, where uh, na uh, um, an Arab neighborhood where there was destruction of homes for um, for people who were living in their homes since for 48, but they were claimed that they were squatters. 
And then we went to the um, Nitan, where it's the Gush Katif people who lost their homes and were living in caravans and, and so forth. And, you know, um, and, and um, it was a very um, intense night. This is um, in Ashdod. Um, we met uh, one of the, um, um, I would say, leaders of the Ethiopian community, which was a very interesting discussion because his, um, he was telling about how they would celebrate Tisha B'Av in Ethiopia which is kind of interesting because the claim is that the, of the white establishment, Jewish establishment that the Ethiopians um, came to Ethiopia before the Khorbanabite. And his claim was, so how, why were we celebrating Tisha B'Av? And it was, it was basically like his proof that they were, you know, kind of like we're Jewish as anybody and there was always this connection. And, you know, and, and he was remembering, he said, since I was, a ch and also the nine days themselves, he specifically says, as a child, I was, you know, we were living in the mountains. I didn't know why, but we didn't eat meat for those nine days, you know, and we fasted and this. And, um, and then, of course, they lost their homes. And now, you know, we, yeah. So, I mean, I could go on just that, but it was, it was a very fascinating. Um, now, I'll show you. Wait, I'll make a break here. Um, well, as you see what we were doing, we were tweeting the whole thing. And we were traveling in this caravan that you see that is connected to cellular internet 24 hours a day. So the whole time we were being, um, it's kind of like Big Brother. You have that here, Big Brother? Yeah. So we call it Big Brother on wheels. I mean, the big difference between this and Big, I mean, there's two big differences. Is the first difference is that this is Big Brother with content. Like, we were having very good, serious conversations about, you know, um, bite and horbana bite and destruction and, you know, and the meaning and, and fears of the future. Um, but we were also, um, another thing, big difference, I would say, in a technical way, is that we are not only the, the, the actors, we are not only the, the you know, the, the, not the actors, but the people in the home, we are also the directors. You know, we were controlling the cameras. We knew what the cameras were always on, and we took this kind of, um, I would say, commitment to always have the cameras on, but we were allowed ourselves to be behind the cameras, or we knew where the cameras were. So basically, we had a GPS that was, uh, wait, I'll show you the frame. So what you see here, um, the black um, screen is where the, um, would be the live stream. Um, here we just would up we upload pictures every day. Um, this would be a GPS where people would know exactly where we are. Um, these are old videos that we would like edit at night and and replay. Um, I could show you some, but they're all in Hebrew, so I don't know how relevant. And and here we twit and say where we're going and where we're and what was and sharing the experiences. So. Basic, and then um, also showing where, on a Google map, where, where the spaces are. So basically, we used all the available, you know, um, media tools on a very basic way. You see, it's one, one page, one web page, just telling everybody that everybody could participate and know where we are. They could come visit us. And, and, that, and there was also a blog where we also um, blogged our experiences, which was very intense because you're kind of experiencing and, um, and reflecting at the same time. Um, and in general, it was, it was quite uh, astonishing because um, 
you know, you're in these intense nine days, and um, they're always talking about these really heavy issues, and um, and also discovering, um, um, you know, read like, you know, Israel's like a small country. Basically, the the ride we did for nine days, um, you could literally do this in one day, you know, uh, the whole. You see, we went all the way to the south and all the way to the Galil and all that. But the thing is, we felt in these nine days that we went on a journey that like was that we didn't see, like we could have done it for nine months. Like every 10, you know, every 10 kilometers is almost a new, new experience, a new place, and new people. And another interesting thing is that because um, both me and Guy, Guy Ambrilla, who I did the project with, we're both, um, we both have um, beards, just because we do. And um, it's summer, we were wearing hats. And uh, we were kind of using this kind of Jewish language, like, We'd say Tishaya mean Ba'av, and you know somebody would say when are you? Sh-? We talk to somebody say when are you showing up? We said well we'll show up erev Rosh Chodesh, you know, or you know or Bet Ba'av, and and then when we'd show up, especially like when we'd be in the West Bank and we'd meet settlers and all that, they just didn't know who we were. Um, they just didn't know to put us because I'm used to sometimes oh it's that Tel Aviv artist or it's that that and and people were always trying to frame us, but they didn't really know how to frame us. Because we weren't, we didn't give into it. Guy also has four kids, um, so again they're like, "Oh, you're probably just, you know, these guys who have nothing better to do." And then they realize, "Oh, wait, he has four kids and none of that." You know, he he also had, but he lived in a in a kind of a moshav in the Galil, and his house was. Um, he also had a destruction order to his house um, because of claiming of illegal building. So he very much both to the Bedouin that we're talking about these kind of things, and also to settlers at the same time they were. There were being um, orders to destroy homes, and also, of course, the Palestinians. And he, there was this very much connection. And then I would also, you know, um, just and it really, when people don't know who you are, they don't know what kind of answer you expect. They expect you to hear. So then, sometimes the conversation becomes much more honest and much more interesting. Um, so um, yeah. So this is. Um, we could go back to see some photos. Um, so sometimes we did tweet in English and all that. Um, so it's kind of interesting. I mean, we, this is a tech meeting, and I think we uh, we used a lot of technology, like whatever whatever is available. I mean, we didn't like in, invent anything, but it's it's not that you know. Um, and it was 24 hours streaming, um, but it, I still don't see this. Like always, like for me, the content is much more important. It's like what we did. And all these like tools were just there to serve us, um, and it's almost I almost forget that it's like you know when um, even had um, some curator asked me, oh, do you know any good art projects that uses technology? And I started like saying, oh, I know this one, and then I was like, hey, wait, I have a project, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, it's like I almost forget, you know, myself. So, um, oh, and another thing, interesting things that happened. Um, okay, I could just uh, that. You also get the response, like people are calling you, you know, or they're SMSing you, or or sending on to that, saying, you know, could you make the cam, could you change the angle of the camera, or you know, we can't hear well, or oh, that was really interesting, um, you know, or who was that person you just spoke to, and it's it's this really, um, you know, um, uh, a very interesting, and we had very high numbers. I mean, I think for me, I think we we had a, the streaming had up to. Um, well, this this journey had 250 was the limit, and almost every day we like peop, we there were more people asking to go in than than the streaming could let because we they were getting notices that it's full. 
So then the, we did a second journey. Um, this is in um, Susia, um, both the um, Jewish Susia and the Palestinian Susia. So you see, like, the, they're on both sides of the mountain. And which very interesting, we went to the Palestinian Susia, and they had a Hebrew lesson, <laughs> which was quite, <laughs> quite uh, something we didn't, um, we didn't expect. <laughs> what? No, no, we, we went to places, I mean, we were sitting in, um, in one village, and um, as the conversation was going, we realized these guys were talking to our Hamas people, and they were like, basically, it was an interesting conversation, and then um, the guy mentioned, it was like really Arab um, Tishabab, and the guy mentioned that he's not going to fast, um, he doesn't fast, and um, they were really upset at him. Hamas people were like, how? That's your tradition. You have to fast. And they were like, really? And then we got into this whole conversation about Daoud, um, um, King David, why he wasn't allowed to build the temple, you know, because he was a man of war, and then his only son. And it was fascinating with these guys, you know, with that. So yeah, it was, um, no, it's really, we really managed, um, like in Hebron, we didn't, okay, in Hebron, of course, we were only, in, we didn't go into the city. And we can't physically also you can't, you know, we're with a caravan. But I mean there's weird things like we're like you know, you're driving down the street, uh, the road of between Hebron, you know, in the next to Hebron and we see like a you know, like a market uh, like a store. Just wanted to buy like cold water and you know and we walk in and it's a Palestinian store and you kinda of walk in with confidence, you know, and just say, Hey, you know, you have whatever, you know. You're looking at what they have on the shelves and suddenly I see the guy there like shaking. Like really, and and then I realized he didn't know who we were, and we like we walked in in our confidence and with this caravan, we could be like, you know, secret police. We could be like he thought we were going there to give trouble, and then we're like, and then we're like, oh no no come, you could see it's just our home, you know, and we come and we point and his little kid went and so, yeah, so it's like these things you you know again people don't just don't know who you are, um, which usually just opens people's hearts, you know, they're just. Curious, but there were times that people, but we weren't, I mean, obviously, we didn't go into um, everywhere, but it was also a matter of time. Hmm? Oh. That's Elias Cohen, he's a, um, and uh, this is in Bat Ayn. Um, Elias Cohen, he's a poet from Kvartzion, uh, who also, these are people, some of the people I met here became just great friends of mine after, like, Elias is somebody, I, like, from meeting him there. I knew him from his from his poetry, and then I decided I wanted to meet him. And since then, we're like really good friends. What? Yeah, it says um, I love in Arabic. And the guy who's, yeah, and the guy Polat um, Solomon, he's an artist from Bat Ain, and he was very uh, um, got offended by us because we didn't um, agree to everything. Um, well, I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but um, at the end, though, um, it, yeah, Bat Ain was one of the hardest experiences we had. Um, especially because it was, we felt so much at home at one point, but at the other hand, disagreed with so much. It was this really, it's really a hard, I don't know, I'm not going to, if we want to, we could get, okay. I could explain. Bad Ayn is a, it's a settlement in Gush Etzion, which is quite radical. I mean, like, I'm just for two examples on their thing. All men in the settlement have to have beards. You're not allowed to have any TVs in your home. And the third thing, no Arabs are allowed in, even if they're just like workers and all that. Um, 
yeah, one of them came from there. And, and what happened with Parad, just for example, he, he, there's a, a Palestinian um, Jerusalem artist named Jumana Amana who d- does a, pro- a project with, she did a project with Shia Ma'alot, the, with the song, um, uh, and talks about the, the, the yearning to return to Zion, and she did it with Palestinian refugees in, in Europe. So, not refugees, um, yeah, refugees, that's the word. Um, and um, Parad did a similar project on technique, and I said, oh, you should really see Jomana's project. It's, you have a lot to do. And he said, oh, I would love to. Oh, I heard about her work, and it would be great. And I said, yeah, there's just one problem. You can't, Jomana can't come visit you. And he's like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. And he was like really, um, like, didn't understand why that's a problem. And then um, we, I told this to Jomana, who, and she was like, oh, I would like to meet Parad also, which was kind of strange also, because, like, he lives in Bad Ein, but... And then really on the ninth day, they, on, we, in, when we were in Jerusalem, Parat came and they met. Which, I mean, I wouldn't claim they became like best friends or anything, but they did like meet. Um, yeah, this is already in the Galil. Um, yeah, I mean, you, I guess you get the idea of it. Um, what, what the, 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 this laid to us, we decided to do a year later a second project. In this June, we did a project called um, um, uh, nine days, I'm sorry, this is Nine Days in Av, and we did a project called um, um, Six Days in June, which um, also we know what happened in the six days of June in 1967. Um, we can see the pictures here. Um, so this is, and we called it the Journey to Liberate Jerusalem. And this time we decided to explore the question of the liberation of Jerusalem. Um, ahead of time. And um, we asked people that were like different writers if they could write about what the liberation of Jerusalem means to them. And we put out this newspaper. The first um, page, there's um, English. The rest is in Arabic and, um, and Hebrew. And so we put out a hard copy um, newspaper. So we'll also have something to give out to people as a, like, when, we, when we travel. But of course, it was also all online. Um, yeah, the English is on the bottom there, um, and this we, and we use the same technique, the same caravan, with the filming, the GPS, the, and here we also had a schedule, uh, Google schedule that could follow. And this time we even took the parameters were even smaller. We only were in Jerusalem for six days, and I, and even though I grew up in Jerusalem, I still rediscovered Jerusalem. And um, so here you could this is um, so this is the second journey that we did called, um, yeah, um, oh, by the way, we'll just look, you see, this is the, this thing here, you see that he's holding in his hand, this, that's the, that's the machine, that's the streaming device, it's, a, it's, so it's also portable, there's two, two internet cameras, and the cellular thing, and you see there's two cameras on the top, can I, I make this bigger, yeah, the two webcams on the top, um, Oh, no, this is not working. Maybe, oh, yeah, yeah. You see, so there's the two webcams. Um, so you could, they're also with Velcro. You could change the directions. And then there's the, and there's a fan to chill it, and there's, like, the, right. Well, it, it's, a, it's a make-off on the, so instead of, it's, instead of the, we call, instead of the Israeli broadcasting, we wrote it the independent broadcasting. But lots of times that really helped us, like, you know, whatever, if cops would see it or all that, they just kind of like, oh, and they kind of like ignored us. And, 
or like or they thought you know of course kids were always like oh what well, tv tv so yeah it's kind of it, it's almost um weird how much it didn't um how much we met, like most people didn't really ask questions we're walking around with this with this camera and and in Jerusalem we also had like a similar experience you know meeting people from all different um you know um spectrums and ideas and one of the things that we may, we, we 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 try to meet people we don't agree with you know not to meet our friends but to meet people who we kind of find that we'll have an inter- like a disagreement and a conversation so it could be also a um yeah um just different um um you know um from um a um a priest to a um I mean, I mean, the whole the list is long. I could go on, but um, yeah. I mean, we're looking at the pictures here. Um, but um, I mean, you have questions. I mean, I could I could describe what we did every day, but um, I think you get the idea. Um, now, this is also, I think, interesting. How um, the um, again, you know, what did we do? like? I also run an internet website of art and culture called Erevrav. And um, and then like why did we go to hard copy? It's like this idea is like, and um, and I think it's one of these things like when you go back to like the street, you go back to Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which the hard copy is something that is very um, um, it makes it real, but it's also it's it was really open. Like first of all, it brings it's in Arabic and Hebrew, so sometimes it also brought some bad negative things like from people like why is this Arabic? Why is this in the enemy language? By the other hand, also in each Jerusalem, like there was this one woman who, who kind of like um, I wanted to give her a newspaper. She was like, "No, no, no," um, like, like really upset. And I said, "Me, in Arabic, you know, it's Arabic." And I gave it to her, and then she like opened it and looked, and then she had this kind of this big smile, and she said, "Oh, I, 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 I bless you with um, success in your journey, and that you'll find out the liberated." And then it really opened up, and we like. And then she told us, "Oh, you should go to this person." And then we met the 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 grandson of um, Faisal Husseini, who was the mayor of Jerusalem in the 40s, called Khaled Husseini. Owns a restaurant. She said you should go to his restaurant, and he was great. We sat with him, and it was a very interesting um, um, conversation. So um, yeah, so this is the journey, um, the journeys that we do. Um, I hope you've enjoyed part one of the conversation with Ronan Eidelman. Part two of the Jewish Tech Meetup will be posted in two weeks on Thursday, October 20th. And we hope that you will join us live at the next Jewish Tech Meetup on Thursday, October 27th.